All right. So, uh, good morning, everybody. Morning. How you doing? Um, it's good to be here and good to be able to uh, be able to talk to you a little bit. Um, I was looking at this. Steve asked me a few weeks ago to do it this morning, and um, I was looking at something. And last week was crazy. It was. It seemed like a, a, a storm last week, and this week is kind of the same thing. And I and I worked on one and got going a little bit and it just didn't feel right and I'm looking at another one and another message and uh, you know come, come about Tuesday I'm reading through my Bible and that's the best place because what do they say wherever you are reading at there you are you find yourself in there and you should right in the Bible when you're reading along and so I was reading along in first uh, Kings 17 18 and 19 and you know when I got to 19 and finished up and I'm like man this is this is exactly where I'm at with Elijah and so so I thought so I started started looking at that and working on it all all week because the name of this uh, message today is called weathering the storms in life and we all have storms right that we go through that uh, we need to learn how to weather them through and we can only weather them uh, through Christ right only weather them by focusing on him and first Kings uh, 19 that we're going to look at today really gives us a perfect picture of what I need what you need what we all need uh, to learn because storms are going to come right uh, they say that um, it's been said that we're all either coming out of a storm we're in a storm or we're going into a storm right but as Christians we uh, don't have to experience the prolonged drought of shame and depression and all those things that come from being stuck in the storm and out of fellowship with God like uh, like we kind of see here in 1st Kings with uh, with Elijah so you know 1st Kings 17 you know Elijah has this encounter and and 17 18 and 19 he has this encounter with this wicked king and his name is Ahab you all heard of King Ahab right and Jezebel is his wife and Ahab and Jezebel you know they instituted all the the Baal worship they have this unholy alliance between them in the northern kingdom and um, really it pictures a lot of things in our life uh, it pictures uh, doctrinally it, it pictures um, uh, prophetically I should say the tribulation you know and what's going to come upon this world shortly but it also pictures for us devotionally it pictures how uh, we get in these storms of life and we have the devil like Ahab pictures and we have Jezebel like the religious systems of this world and everything else that goes right along with it uh, uh, that battle us in life and we have to learn to overcome them because we have to live here in this life and the only way we can uh, overcome them is by having that close encounter with the Lord every single day right we see Elijah has this this mountaintop experience right in in first Kings 17 he's um, he 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 confronts Ahab and he says you know he confronts him about his idolatry and everything and he, and he says I'm going to by my word I'm going to stop the rain right that's how close that's how much confidence that Elijah had in the Lord that he said by my word I'm going to call and stop the rain and it didn't rain for three and a half years right and then in 18 he has this encounter with with Ahab doesn't do anything about it and he has another encounter and he calls everybody together and he calls Ahab and Ahab and Jezebel uh, Ahab call, um, has his 450 prophets of Baal that come out and they have this showdown you know in, in 1 Kings 18 
king, right? And and he says, you 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 build your altar, and and you take a bullock, and I'll take a bullock, and I'll give you the first portion of the day tomorrow. And uh, he actually gave him all day long, you know, to to sacrifice the bull and to call to his gods, right? Gods plural, and have them send down fire from the sky. And he said, we'll see whether your gods send down fire. And he said, oh, by the way, I'll I'll take this old broken down altar that we used to use, right? The old, the real altar that they sacrificed to the one true God. And it was broken down because they didn't use it. And, And Elijah said, and I'll use this one and I'll sacrifice. So, you see Ahab and, and you see the prophets of Baal. They're out there. They, they put the bull. They sacrifice the bull. They put him on the altar. They're crying out to their gods and, uh, nothing, nothing happens. And nothing happens. And, and Elijah's like mocking and saying, well, maybe your God's asleep. Well, why don't you wake him up? Well, maybe he's went on a long journey, you know? And, and nothing happens. And, and the, the prophets are just really pulling out their hair. They're at their wits end. They're cutting themselves. They're jumping on the altar. They go all day long and nothing happens. They're bleeding out. And so then Elijah walks in and he says, okay, I'll tell you what you do. I'm going to put my, my bull on the altar. And, and he said, he had, he had him dig a trench around it, pour barrels of water over it, right? Because he's going to call down fire from the sky. So there's no mistake that his God was the one true God. He pours water, fills all the trenches, and he calls down fire and it consumes, it consumes the sacrifice, right? You know, it's over. You know, it proved and everybody's like, he's the God. He's the one true God. And, and Elijah takes the 450 prophets of Baal and he slays them. Okay. Well, Ahab goes and tells Jezebel about it. And this is where we get to the story today. And Jezebel, you know, she, she's going to put the fear of God in Elijah because she's not, she's not going for this, right? And so this is where we come to the story today. And we see that Elijah, after this mountaintop experience, he sinks into this depression. Okay? And this can happen to all of us because as we're moving with God and we're beginning to do other things, I know you've all experienced it. We all experience it where you'll have a a mountaintop experience. Maybe you'll change. You'll make a commitment. You'll see God moving in your life. And right after that, the attack of the enemy comes. And it begins to, to work on you both internally and externally. And that's what we see in this story today. But throughout it, we also see some good pointers. It's really a model for counseling in, in depression and shame and PTSD and a lot of things. But it's also a good guideline for you and I to see how we can weather the storm. So um, we're going to get started here in a second. I'd just like to pray and then we'll go around and we'll read through this story and see what we can get from it. So, Father, I thank you so much uh, that you loved us so much that you sent the perfect sacrifice yourself, your son, and you sent him down to pay the penalty for our sins that we could never pay, Lord. And I just pray that uh, through this story you would speak to us, you would show us how you want that close and personal and intimate relationship with us to where we can talk to you every day and go to you with all of our needs so that we can learn how to weather the storms in our life, Lord. And and sometimes those storms are made to move us and get us off center. Help us to realize what they're there for and help us most of all to learn to cling to you and cry out to you in times of need 
And Lord, help us to learn from them how we can help others that are going through the storms around of it, around us, because we all go through storms in life, Lord. So help us and speak to us today, and we'll give you all the glory in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so um, I want to get started first of all in First Kings 19 in the first three verses, um, and I wonder, Jim, if you could if you could read the first three starting out, and then we'll just go around the room. But Alrighty. this kind of sets the the scene. Yes. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose, and he went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and he left his servant there. Okay. Very good. So, what we see is that he he had this experience as we look. Is I don't know. Can you all see this map? It's probably kind of small, but this is a map of Israel. You probably have it in your mind anyway. But Mount Carmel's up here, up at the top, right on the Mediterranean Sea, and that's where that's where this all took place uh, with Ahab. And then the, the, he called down. Uh, uh, rain at the end of 18 and and Ahab took off on a chariot and and um, Elijah took off running and he beat him to the Jezreel which is right over here and the rain's coming in from the Mediterranean but then uh, like Jim just read after that Ahab went and told Jezebel and man it was it was uh Elijah that flew all the way down to the very south um let's turn to a different map so we can see this better because it's off this one i think it was i think it was one before it Oh, let's see. Yeah, this is it. So, he was all the way up at the top. It's off the map. He comes all the way down to Beersheba, which is right there. At the very, very bottom, almost. It's, it's, uh, I think it's a, a, close to a border town, uh, here on the, on the southern end of Israel. And then he's going to come, as we're going to see in a minute, all the way down here to Mount Horeb. Uh, but he's, but he leaves a servant there. He leaves a servant at Beersheba, right? So he's all alone. And he's, you know, Jezebel's put the fear of God in him, or the fear of the devil in him, right? Right? Um, so he's leaves a servant, and he's going. He's all alone, right? So as we're going to see, I want to preface this story with uh, what James said about Elijah. Um, because really we all go through these droughts of depression or storms of shame in our life. And James said this about, about Elijah. And I think it's really interesting that in James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, he says this, and it pictures both what we see in first Kings chapter 17 and chapter 18, right? He stopped the rain and he called down the rain, right? He stopped the rain in chapter 17 and he called the storm, you know, from the, from the, from the skies down from heaven, uh, in chapter 18. So it says Elias in James 5.17, it says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by a space of three and a half years. Three years and six months, excuse me. See the one seeing that cloud like a hand? Mm-hmm. That's it. 
And and this, in, in verse 18, this is where it happened in chapter 18, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Right? So, amazing mountaintop experience. But look what it says about Elijah. He calls him Elias here in the New Testament, right? That's his, his, his name was transliterated uh, in, and that's what they call him in the New Testament, Elias, right? So it said he was a man subject to like passions as we are, right? He's just like us. Right, he's he's a he's a man. He's got sinful, that sin nature. He's got passions just like us. Because I think a lot of times when we read these stories, we think Elijah or Moses or or Paul. We think of these guys and we think, well, yeah, but he was God's man. He's got all this stuff going on. But I I think what we need to realize what what it was so good for me to realize when I saw this is that he's just like us right and we see it in this story so that gives me hope because when I'm like in the middle of my storm and I'm frailing around and I'm you know heading for cover and I'm thinking where are you God and what's going on this story really really did a lot for me and I think it does a lot for all of us if we can just learn what God is trying to tell us in this because it goes on and it says um, in verse 4 and I think we'll just go around the room now so uh, like we usually do Emmett if you want to start off and read 1 Kings 19.4 but he himself on the day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. For I'm not better than my father's. Has anybody ever felt like that? When you come to grips with it, I mean, when you're a kid, it's like I can remember seeing stuff my dad did and thinking, I'm, I don't, I'm never going to be like that. I'm never going to do that. Man, like they say, never say never. You know? Generational curse. Yeah. And I, I found out, man, I'm worse. I'm, I'm just like my father's, you know? I've got this. I'm stuck with all these, uh, you know, insecurities and sin and all the things that come, you know, with it. And, but we see that, um, just historically here, let's look, look at this for a minute because he went all the way down, uh, he went down to, um, Beersheba, which is off the map here. Where was it? He came all the way down to... Was it that one? He came all the way down to Beersheba. And, 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 then, and then he's going to go all the way down to Mount Carmel here in a minute and have this meeting with God. So, But the thing that I want to point out um, here is that he said, but he himself, right, underline himself, uh, requested for himself, right? You see all this, all these terms that it's enough, you know, I, I'm finished, I'm done. I'm a, take away my life, O oh Lord, he says, for I am not better than my father's, right? Everything is focused on himself, right? He's self-focused. Right? These are the symptoms of depression that we see it right, right here in the first couple verses of this story. He's self-focused. He's isolated. He's withdrawn. We see he's stuck. He's stuck. He's done. He's, he's suicidal. He's like, God, please take away my life. Has anybody ever felt like that? Where if so bad, you just feel hopeless that there's no way out? So God sometimes uses that, you know, to, to get us unstuck and get a, our focus off of ourselves 
and onto him. Because Elijah was focused on himself and not on God, right? He had this mountaintop experience where he was totally focused on God. God was doing amazing things. And all of a sudden, Jezebel says, I'm going to, I'm going to get you. If I don't have, I'm making a, a, an oath that if I don't get you by tomorrow and do the same thing you did to my prophets, that let the gods do the same to me. And it sent him running into a tailspin, right? And sometimes that happens to us. So we always need to keep our focus continually on the Lord um, to weather any storm in our lives, right? So how, let me ask you all this, how do we keep our focus when times are tough like this? How do we get our focus back on the Lord? In the Word. Yeah. In the Word, yeah, absolutely. That's 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 uh, that's the perfect way. We got to get back and not just get in the word, not just read it. But we got we got to believe His promises, let God speak to us, right? And that's what we see as we go on in this story, because Elijah is experiencing some one of the most um, toxic. Um, feelings that we can ever experience is shame from his fear and vulnerability, right? He's, he's just vulnerable. He's laid open, right? And shame causes much confusion. And in going forward, we can become stuck and give up on life just like Elijah did, right? Shame is one of the most negative, debilitating feelings we can experience because it combines other negative emotions such as anger and fear and sadness and hate and and in a, a process that serves to reinforce all of those negative feelings at once, right? And collectively, it forms this thing we call shame that none of us really want to identify with. We just want to run from it like Elijah did. Um, so really, it shows this battle that we all face with ourself, right? The, the, the battle between, uh, the flesh and the spirit, right? The flesh and the spirit. In Galatians 5.17, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Right? I don't think Elijah wanted to be there. He definitely didn't want to be there. He said, it's enough. I'm done. It's over. Take my life. Right? None of us want to be there. But we've got to realize we've got this enemy, the devil, and he uses the world and even our own flesh, our self, to work against us. Right? And sometimes it can be, shame is so confusing. Right? Now, let me explain something here because there's a difference between it's hard for us to identify shame, right? Uh, we, we, we deny it. We run from it. We have all these little, uh, they call them defense mechanism. They're carnal weapons, if you will, the Bible calls them, to try to combat shame. And they don't work. Things like pride, you know, um, things like justifications and rationalizations. We use these things to try to bypass our shame. But really, there's only one way we, we can we can deal with it, and that's in a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, shame sometimes is confused with guilt. Okay? Shame is sometimes confused with guilt. But there's an important difference. You see, guilt arises from negative evaluation of one's own behavior, while shame arises from a negative evaluation of oneself, right? You see, one's focused on behavior, I did wrong, and the other is focused on self, I am wrong, I am bad, right? Uh, guilt is the feeling of doing wrong, while shame is the feeling of being wrong. Okay? You get that? 
Guilt says, I made a mistake, right? We can all correct that, right? I made a mistake. Teaches us humility. You know, we go to God, we confess our sins, right? I made a mistake, right? Shame says, I am a mistake, right? That's it's the most toxic. Uh, Shame makes its most toxic emotion that we have, right? So it leaves us hopeless because the problem is ourself, right? And there's only one one thing we can actually turn to, right? When we realize this, and that's to the Lord, because in Romans one sixteen. Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Right? So, if you believe it, if I believe it, if we trust it, if we obey it, it will change us forever, right? And it will help us to weather the storm. It's the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sin and shame. And all he wants to do is have that close, intimate relationship. But but like Elijah, we sometimes get stuck in those storms. And as we're going to look at this a little bit more uh, and and get into what Elijah faced in First Kings five, First uh, Kings nineteen five through eight. Uh, Pam, could you read those verses? Five through eight. Yep. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a face facing on the corner and a purse of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him back down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey was too great for thee. And he arose in the deed and drank and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Okay. So, what does God do to him? We see that the angel of the Lord, who knows what that the angel of the Lord is? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Pre-incarnate Christ. Right? The angel of the Lord. Anytime you see that show up in the Old Testament, it's it's, uh, a pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Right? So he came to him. And what did he do? He fed him. Right? Just like us. Some people try to say that Michael and Jesus are the same. Yeah. What do you think? No. I mean, there's two different names. Right. Obviously. Right. God's Word, you know, God, yeah. Everything that God does is defined in His Word. So, um, I went right past the first two fill in the blanks on your... Did everybody get a handout? I'm just like flying because there's so much here. So, excuse me, I'll try to slow down a little bit and go back and correct my mistake. Right? I made a mistake. Okay? I'm not a mistake. Uh, was focused. Yes, the first thing, Elijah focused on himself rather than God. Uh, and then on down where it says Elijah experienced uh, shame. Shame goes in the blank. So I should write these on the board like Steve does. So number one, blank number one, is focused. And then number two is shame. Okay. And then, let's see, I think that's... I think we got all of them there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what Pam just read, we see from a, a, what Elijah experienced there was extreme fatigue. Right? He fed him, and he went, and, and he he ate a little bit, and he went right back to sleep. Right? You see that in depression. I mean, that's a classic symptom of depression: is extreme uh, fatigue. 
right? Hopeless and helplessness, right? We see that there. He just, ah, uh, it didn't, it didn't give him enough energy. He just, his mind is still so captivated like it's over. He's, he's, uh, shut down, if you will, mentally and physically. And it's, it's, uh, severe extreme, uh, fatigue and helplessness. But look what, look what God said. He said, get up, right? Whenever you see that, get up. Sometimes God has to say, get up. He's, he's saying, I've got a purpose for you. God always has a purpose for us, right? Amen. We're saved. When He saves us, He saves us for a purpose, right? So we need to keep that in mind. And what is that purpose? What is the purpose that God saved all of us? That none shall perish, none shall be or, I mean, that, uh, be conformed to the image of Jesus. Right. And how can we be conformed? What did Jesus come to do if we're going to be conformed to his image? What did he come to do? Save the lost, right? To seek and to save that which is lost, right? So, um, that's our purpose. And Elijah's purpose was, of course, this was a pre-incarnate Christ, so he hadn't come yet. But his purpose was to take a warning to get right with God. And the only way we can get right with God or share with others how to get right with God is to share what the good news, right? What Jesus did for us to give us hope and take us out of that hopeless situation. So, um, in 1 Kings 19, verses 9 and 10, Belinda, do you want to read? Can you read those? Sure. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Mm. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Ah, yeah, he's still stuck on himself, right? God has to do a lot to get him to move. And we're going to see this because it shows up again in verse 14. But he said, I, I alone, right? It's all about me. I did it. Man, I had this great experience. Why am I down here like this? Why, God? Why? You know, you ever feel like that? Where you're just like, man, why, why, why won't you answer me? Why, why am I feeling like this after this mountaintop experience? You see, he's, he's stuck in the past in that fear and shame. And that's what fear and shame together do to us. It, it, it does something to our, our brain, our being. It just causes us to be stuck to where we're confused and we can't think right and we just get stuck in the past. That's the symptoms, right? The solution, the solution from it is hearing from God. And that's what we see in, um, um, here in a minute. So in 1 Kings, uh, 19, 11, and 12. Uh, Kevin, do you want to read that? And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the <laughs> mountains and break into pieces of rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not Elijah, I mean, in the wind, and after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, still small voice. Right, right. God, he had to hear from God, and God speaks in a powerful way, doesn't he? Uh, he yeah, he was saying that uh, all these big catastrophes, right. whatever, God wasn't speaking in that, but once it was all over and right. quiet, he could hear it. Right, right. And it's the same thing with us. Sometimes we get stuck. He has to, he has to blow us and shake us and, and burn us, right? Even burn us, you know? Light us up. 
He has to do that to us sometimes. That's what he's doing to Elijah, just to get him stuck off his self-focused, hopeless situation, right? So um, he speaks to him, and he and he hears from him, right? And he hears that small, still voice. You know, I think of uh, Psalm. 46.10 where it says be still and know that I am God, right? That's something we need to do every morning. I think of that. You know, I can't really have a good day unless I get alone with God and I hear from Him, you know? And uh, sometimes it's like Jacob. I'm wrestling with him over certain things like this with Elijah here. You know, I'm stuck and and it's like, God, I, I need to hear from you. I'm not leaving until I hear. That's the way we need to be. Like Jacob wrestling with God. I'm not leaving until you speak with me. You know, I need to hear from you. I can't go forward on my own. You know, none of us can. So we need that. And then, but we see even after he hears from him, even, you know, it reminds me he's a man just like myself, like passions. You know, look what, look what happens in 1 Kings 19 verses 13 and 14. Uh, Franny, do you have a Bible? Or do you want to read? Well, Bible, it, was, it has big print. I don't have my glasses with me. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That works. Yeah. First uh, Kings nineteen thirteen and fourteen verses thirteen and fourteen. Yeah. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out. He stood in the inner room in the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Yeah, right. Right. So, do you see that at the end of verse 13? Um, I almost said Jesus because it's the angel of the Lord. But God says to him, again, he asks the same question. What are you doing here? Right? What doest thou here? What are you doing here? Right? He tries, you know, it makes me think of um, Adam. When Adam sinned and he's, and he, and he, and he's hiding behind the trees and he's cowering in shame, you know, uh, and, and God, he hears the Lord, the voice of the Lord walking in the cool of the day and he says, Adam, Adam, where are you? Right? I mean, like, like God didn't know, right? He knew where he was. He wanted Adam to know where he was. And, and it's the same thing with Elijah. It's the very first example of shame in the Bible. It is. It is. Right. So, um, so anyway, he, he, he wants Elijah to know that. And the same thing with us. He wants us to look and see why we're where we are in that place of being stuck. We don't have to be there if we'll just hear from God, we'll listen and believe God because He's He's promised us so many things that we're going to see here in a minute that we don't have to stay stuck in that. But we see that Elijah... Is repeats the same thing. You know, I, he says the same thing he said in verse 10. I have been very jealous because, um, because of the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and I, even I only am left, right? And they seek my life, right? I, 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 me, my, right? He's stuck in that self-focused preservation mode, right? He's stuck in survival. Bible mode, we like to call it. Okay? And I want to give you a quote because there's, uh, and you probably heard many people say this. Uh, I think a couple presidents used it, maybe even Ben Franklin, I can't remember, but the guy that coined this, uh, this quote was, his name, um, is George Santayana. 
And the quote is, those who can't remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And it's the same way with us. If we don't remember what God did with us in the past, right? How He used us in the past. You know, it's amazing. Over and over in the Bible we see, remember, remember. You know, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, He brings all things to our remembrance, right? He wants us to remember what our mission is, what He's done with us, so we don't, you know, we're not condemned to repeat the the sins of the past. So now, let's go on and let's look at the solution here. Um, because God begins to draw him out of his fear and anxiety and shame and give him a plan of deliverance just like he gives us so let's look at this plan in 1st Kings 19.15 whose turn who wants to read that Amita do you want to read that and the Lord say unto him, Go return on thy way to wilderness of Damascus. And when to come along, Aesop to be king over Syria. Yeah. Is it Jake? Jake. That's it. 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 That's and the Lord said, go, right? We focus on that word go. You know, for us, what what does go mean in the Bible for you and I? Right? Yeah, right. Go ye therefore. Yes. And this go is a very important word to me. Yeah. Because... Uh, when I was laying in that hospital bed, having been told I had stage four cancer, yeah, I, I had just, you know, decided, okay, I'm ready to go to heaven to be with my father. Right. But that wasn't what God wanted me to do. And right. you were talking about listening for that small inner voice. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. He can be very stern too. Yes. Oh, yeah. God already knew that I was stubborn. And that's when he sent Jesus to the foot of my bed. And as I have told in my testimony before, he was there with his hands on his hips and a a very stern look Mm -hmm. and says, Franny, I'm not finished with you yet. I want you to go spread my word and my joy and my love to everyone that you come in contact wow and so i mean i even get goosebumps yeah wow but uh yeah that totally changed my plans my outlook because i was just gonna lay there right right came for me and yeah to him but that wasn't what he wanted Man, friend. I had to listen to what he want, wanted me to do. And uh, so sometimes it's not that quiet little voice sometimes it's a stern voice sometimes it's like the the wind and the earthquake and the fire right right exactly and I know that I know that feeling too but man that's a perfect illustration of what this story is talking about Franny I mean God does that in some way I'm sure to all of us we can we can look back at a point where God just really shook us up right Sherry I'll tell you one time on our country road I was just driving normal speed, you know, not fast. And I just felt, a, I didn't hear an audible voice, but the Lord just told me to slow down. I just felt like that. Oh. You know, I just felt that. Right. And very soon, there was a big tractor, like, I mean, just right in front of me. It was like, really, it was amazing. 
Yeah. I mean, I do really think that he saved your life, probably. Yeah, because yeah. on country roads you never know. Right. But that was amazing. Yes, it is. It wasn't audible, but I just felt that the Lord. Right. Yeah. Right. It's small, still, and yeah, it's not like you you, you hear it. You, you hear it in a different way. Yeah. Right. Right. That's good. Good stuff. Yeah, so that word go, right, and return, because God's got a plan for him. But the first thing that he he had to do, it's like we saw in the previous few verses, he said, get up, right, back in 5 and 8. And now he says, go and return to where you were. Return. Sometimes we have to get back on track with God and his plan for our lives, right? Go. So we're going to look at these go words, um, because he he wants him to go forward and follow God's plan for his life and he wants us to do that too so that he can begin to reveal it to us because God you know what if we're still alive if we're still breathing as uh, as they say then God's not through with us right we're still walking out his plan for our life so we just need to go forward and uh we need to be willing to go wherever God tells us to go, right? Mark sixteen fifteen says, and, Jesus, and he said unto them, Jesus speaking, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? Like Kevin just said a little while ago. So we need to be willing. That's God's plan for all of us. If he saved us, like they say, he saved us for a purpose, right? That purpose is to send us to give the same message that we received. Right? So here's some go-tos. The plan is the answer. Yes. The blank is... Yes. Thank you, Kevin. The, The third blank is plan. And, uh... So, I want to look at some go-tos for all of us, right? And I think we already figured this out, but we need to go to, right? The great go-tos from the Word of God for me and for you, right? Here's some go-tos. Go to the Word daily and let God speak afresh to us every morning and reveal His plan from His Word to you and to me. We need to do that, right? 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 said, But as I is written, but but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And then if you go down a few verses in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14, he tells us what these things are, how he reveals them to us. And he says, which things also we speak, uh, not in the words of man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Right? God speaks to us in a spiritual way. And how, how do we compare spiritual things with spiritual? Have you ever thought of that? What's he talking about here? Word studies. We're studying our Bibles. Studying our Bible. What, yeah. Different passages. Yeah. Definitions of words. How they're used. Yeah. Well, say like on Facebook, if somebody says this remotely spiritual thing, then we can go back to the Bible. And, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. But we need the Holy Spirit inside us to be able to discern the the things that, you know, like Jesus said in John six sixty three, he said, my words, they are spirit and they are life, right? So God's word is is spirit, right? It's spiritual. It, it, and the Holy Spirit of God within every believer takes God's word, his 
sustenance, his food, and he feeds us and it makes it come alive in us, right? And we are able to discern what God's telling us and where we need to go. So we need, here's the second go-to. We need to go to the Lord in prayer and then what goes in your blank is continually. We need to go to the Lord in prayer continually. Um, and speak to him about whatever situation you are stuck in and allow him to reveal why and how you are to move forward. And then we're to stop, quit trying to, um, you know, I thought, thought of Jim. I didn't have a stop sign. He's really good at putting all these green lights and stop lights and all that. But I put stop, quit trying to solve your problems and figure them out on your own. And then go, finally go to and seek God's plan for your life. And then you can go forward, right? So First Kings 19.16. Um, where are we? Where? I think it was Amita. Amita. Amita? Uh, well, she oh no! Sh- oh, did you read yet? I haven't read yet. Okay, Sherry, can you read? Sure. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of uh-huh. Oh, I don't know what that is. Uh, Abel Mahala. Abel Mahala. I don't know. Okay, right, right. So he's got he's he's laying out the plan a little bit further. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to being king over Israel. Right. So there's going to be a new king, Jehu. And Elisha, this is the guy that, that he's going to come upon, and this is where um, Elijah, you know, calls Elisha here uh, in in future verses here, and he passes the mantle onto Elisha, and Elisha then becomes the prophet in Israel, and Elijah, you know the story, Elijah's taken up in the whirlwind, and Elisha takes over in his place. Only two people were transcended like that, right? Right, right. Him and uh, uh, Enoch. Enoch, right. So God's connection is to his people, right? God's connection is to his people, and his purposes produce power. We see that in verse 16. So um, we need to go... Uh, and see that God has a plan for us to follow. And we just need to take steps of faith every day in obedience to His Word, right? We need to do the next right thing, as they say, right? Brian has a class, and next steps class, and he, and he talks about wherever you are, if you're coming into the church, or maybe you've been here for a while, what your, your, your next steps are. Maybe it's being baptized, or maybe it's getting into discipleship, or maybe it's discipleship too. It's things that develop your sense of being grounded in the Word and moving forward with God's plan for your life because He has a plan for each and every one of us, right? And discipleship is the process. Bible study, discipleship is the process. Like Elijah and Elisha. Elisha was the discipler or the disciple and Elijah was the discipler right it was a discipleship process he calls him along and he teaches him how to hear from God and how to operate in the office of a prophet right because I imagine that was a pretty tricky deal could you imagine doing some of the things that that Elijah did Jaime man that would be crazy wouldn't it so our, our job is to go tell others how Christ delivered you, right? That's all we simply have to do. Just like the woman at the well, give a testimony, right? And then um, in 1 Kings 19.17, uh, Jaime, do you want to read that? <clears throat> and it shall come to pass that him that escaped the sword of Hazahel shall 
Jehu's slave, and him that escaped from the sword of Jehu, shall Elisha slay. Right. You see that? Nobody's going to escape this. God has him covered, right? There's no reason for him to be in this situation. He just needs to trust in God's plan because God forms powerful partners with people that he prepares to help us. And in 1 Kings 18, um, can... um, Aura. 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 Thank you. I, I didn't know exactly how to pronounce that. Could you read that, Aura? I have left me 7,000 in Israel of the need which have no power on the Baal in every mouth which had not kissed him. Oh, wow. That's good. That's good. I'm just curious, how did you learn English before you came here for a long time? I mean, have you been studying English? I'm trying. Right. Listening. You speak really well. I'm really. Yeah. Just yeah. at home, like, all the yeah. time was at home with kids. And out, yeah. out of home, it was Spanish all the time. Yeah. With, uh, with James, this nine years, it was hard with him because he was so out playing with the neighbors and school. Right. He didn't want to learn English really because he right. was like, I don't want to. I only speak English here with you. I don't want. I don't. I don't speak English out. So it was right. hard with him. Right. Right. With with Isabel was different because we started when when she was like two and a half, like he. Yeah. And he keeps it like he watch everything. Yeah. And the TV, so. Yeah. 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 I know I've tried to learn Spanish and I went to Honduras once and I really started to get it while I was down there for a week or 10 days. But you got to be around people that are speaking it to really get it. But it's cool seeing you come to a new country like this and God starting to develop his plan, you know, in your life. It's really cool. So I would just want to close finally with this. Um, like, like Aura said, God has 7,000 people, right? Sometimes we feel like we're all alone and I'm doing this and nobody else is helping. And I don't know about you, but I get that way sometimes. And God just has to say, look, I've got a lot of people and they're all around you, you know? Just open your eyes. And, and God has our bases covered. He assures him and he comforts us. And this goes in your last the fifth blank uh, that we are not not alone right you and I are not alone God has us covered you know Hebrews 13.5 says be content with whatever state you find yourself in because he said for I will never leave you nor forsake thee never leave thee nor forsake thee so God assures us that he always has a purpose left for us to lead others in his direction through the trials that we have gone through ourselves right and finally the storms in a Christian's life are natural but they can cause supernatural growth and results when we when they cause us to trust in Christ more. So God's promised us all peace that goes beyond understanding in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And in John 14:27, Jesus says this and and it's something that I have to cling to all the time. He said, "Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, that is a powerful promise that God gives us that produces peace and it will help us to weather any storm that we go through. So, um, that's all I have today. And Jim, could you could you close us out in prayer? Sure, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Right, Lord, I do thank you uh, today for being here. And thank you for the message Pat brought us about uh, you know, how he wants to go. We don't want to stay where we are. We serve you and, and uh, how to get out of depression, Lord, and focusing on ourselves. And pray we played it to our lives this week. And pray for the main message coming up, just that uh, you keep our hearts in the Lord. For the next 
Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Good job, you. Thanks for all that. Glad you get out. We come back after class. What should I do with this? Uh, that goes to the office. To the office. And put a tag on it, like foundation, weathering the storms of life. You know. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> do you have one? Uh, I was going to say. Yes, that would be great. Could you write it on there? Because I can't write small very well. <clears throat> Okay, Matt was going to use what? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Andy and Gifford. <laughs> it's okay. Perfect. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's what's nice about that hole, but it won't shut off. Now it'll shut off. Okay.